to another edition of No Box Sports. I am your host, Jason Green, and we are on episode 40. We are on episode 40, and just like the other 39, we have a jammed pack show. A lot of the Eastern Conference semifinals were just eliminated, so every team that was eliminated, I'm going to do where do they go from here, what moves I would make in the offseason to help them maybe get to the next step. Red light, green light is back, NFL Week 1 edition. Who had a good week? Who had a bad week? What caught my eye? And at the end, we're going to get in the conference finals prediction. But first, I'm going to tell you what's on my mind. And what's on my mind today is that there are three teams, sorry, there are 13 teams that have blown a 3-1 lead in NBA history. 13 in the 74-year existence. Three of them are coached by Doc Rivers. Three of them. He is six and eight all time in game sevens. Now, I get it. It's win or go home. The pressure's high. It's hard to win. Sometimes you can have the better team. That's the most losses in NBA history in game sevens. Six and eight. It is time to move on. The Clippers have to let him go. It is the same situation with Dwayne Casey. Now, Dwayne Casey didn't win a chip, and people are holding. Here's what we do, and it's an issue. We hold on to what they had, what not what's in front of them. Doc Rivers is a good coach. Doc Rivers built that Clippers organization up again after the original demise, and you have to give him credit for that. But Doc Rivers hasn't won a championship in 12 years. What did the Celtics do when they realized that it was time for Doc Rivers to go. They brought in Brad Stevens, and look where they are now. It is time to let Doc Rivers go. It is time. In seven years as the Clippers has coach, he has not made it to the Western Conference Finals once. He has blown two 3-1 leads, and he has blown more than just those kind of leads. Those are the big ones, obviously. Here's more that he's blown since he's been on the Clippers he also blew a 2-0 lead in 2016. Obviously, blew a 3-1 lead in 2003. He blew a 3-2 lead in 2009. And he blew a 3-2 lead in 2010. And a 3-2 lead in 2012. Doc Rivers is a good coach. But if you go back, I believe this was the 2009 NBA Finals. It was the, yeah, the 2009 Finals when they played the Lakers. There was a video of Phil Jackson saying when they're getting blown out that they can come back against this team because they're known to blow leads. There's something about Doc Rivers that he just can't motivate his troops and his players to finish the job. And he got it done one time. And we hold on to that. I don't think any team holds on to their championship more than anybody in the 2008 Celtics. Okay. But before that, they went 24-58, and 58, and he could have easily just been fired. Then they obviously bring Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen, and you have a huge big three. Of course you're going to be good after that. But you were, you, were not, you were not winning with a very good player in Paul Pierce, a top 10 player in the NBA at the time in Paul Pierce, or top 15. It is time to move on. You saw the face of Steve Ballmer when, they were, when it was crumbling out of control in the fourth quarter. The usually energetic and ballistic and out of control, happy Steve Ballmer, high five and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard thinking this is their year, was stone cold silent. He didn't know. I don't think that guy is ever a loss for words. And I think he was a loss for words there. 
if Doc Rivers was any other coach that didn't have a championship. That that's where it got. If he didn't have a championship, he there was no way he's not fired by now. If he was Brett Brown, if he was Nate McMillan, if he was Billy Donovan, I mean Billy Donovan was almost fired after leading him to the like one year, leading the playoffs three years, and one year didn't lead him to the playoffs. Brett Brown was just fired after leading a team to the playoffs multiple years and couldn't get done. Nathan Miller was fired leading the playoffs and couldn't get done. Dwayne Casey. George Carl with the Nuggets one coach of the year. He couldn't get done the playoffs. Let him go. This is not something new in the NBA. The difference is none of those coaches have NBA titles. So it's easy. It's easy. You're letting go of a, an average coach. I wouldn't say George Carl is average coach Dwayne Casey, but you understand what I'm saying. Like It's easy because they don't have a title. They haven't been there. Doc knows he's been there. 12 years ago it is time to let go it's time to rip off the band-aid and i don't know who the next coach is because usually you don't want to plan for a replacement you don't fire your main guy unless you can get a better replacement you know who your guy is right and the clippers probably didn't think that they were going to blow a 3-1 lead and think about firing doc rivers but you had not one not two but three leads at halftime you had two double-digit leads and a seven-point lead in Game 7 in the third quarter, and you blew them all. Is Kawhi Leonard to blame? Yeah. Is Paul George to blame? Yeah. But those people are on max deals and irreplaceable. A coach like Doc Rivers is replaceable. And I hope by next week, if the Clippers are smart, they move on because it's time to let go from Doc Rivers. All right, so I been doing this thing where i say where do they go from here uh nba elimination edition i did the sixers and i was like you know what there's four teams left all four very interesting off seasons to get into why not get into it um i'm gonna do the clippers last because i sort of kind of gave on um, what's on my mind what i think the clippers the main thing the clippers should do so i'm gonna start with the milwaukee bucks listen this is the biggest off season in milwaukee bucks history since kareem abdul jabbar wanted the dip all right, and back in 1970, whatever. They have to find a third guy to bring in for Giannis. And I said this, I said this, I said this. You go back in past episodes. I said the biggest mistake the Bucks made, and it ended up me being right, was keeping Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon, a 50-40-90 guy, who is a better shooter and can spread the floor better, can equally attack the basket, and is a very good defender. And they took Eric Bledsoe over Malcolm Brogdon, and I said that. Now, Bredso is easily the most tradable player on that team. I mean easily the most tradable, the player they are trying to get rid of on that team after one year. And once again, he's made another all-defensive team, and he's a great defender. But he averaged 11 points per game on 30-something percent shooting from the field during that series. He can't get his own bucket, and he's inconsistent. What do I mean he can't get his own bucket? He can't get his own bucket without driving to the basket, just drawing contact. And the playoffs, you're not getting those kind of calls. <coughs> so... They need to get rid of Eric Bledsoe. Who am I getting? Your team structure is good. You surround Giannis with a bunch of three-point shooters. Okay? And the people who can attack the basket, like Eric Bledsoe, who can then kick those three-point shooters. You need someone who can just get you a consistent bucket from mid-range every once in a while. Chris Paul is the guy. If I'm the Bucks, Bledsoe, DiVincenzo, and how many first-round picks, DJ Wilson, and how many first-round picks you got to give up to go get Chris Paul. Chris Paul would be the perfect player. Because then Giannis, Chris Paul, who led the fourth quarter in scoring this year, Giannis, who can't create his own bucket at the end, will have the point god 
the god of all decision making, the floor general of all floor generals, making decisions at the end of the game. And he's that pick and roll at the end of the game would be absolutely lethal. And I think it's something they can get done if the Bucks add two or three first round picks, a good player in Eric Bledsoe and a good young player in Dante DiVincenzo and DJ Wilson to help keep building the farm system for the Thunder. I have been on this for a while. I wanted to say in previous episodes, I wanted to tweet it. And of course, right after they get eliminated, someone reports that Chris, uh, the Bucks are the Chris Paul, and now I look like I didn't, I'm just backing off them. I promise this is not true. I've been saying this for for months and weeks that this is the deal that needs to be done. So that is the move. That is it. Now, if Giannis leaves, where do you go from there? Because you have Chris Middleton in a huge deal, you have Eric Bledsoe in a huge deal, and you got people with big contracts. Do you just start to trade away and tank? I'm not even thinking about that if I'm Mark Lazary and Mike Boonehoser. I'm not even thinking about that. I don't think Giannis is going to leave. He apparently unfollowed everyone in the Bucks account. That means nothing to me except Thanis, his brother. Um, I think he's staying. I really do. I thought his press conference was really telling. No, that's why I think he's going to stay. I truly believe he is. But if not, he had a good run. Sort of. You only made the one Eastern Conference Finals. But you had a decent run, good two regular seasons. But I think he stays. All right, let's get to the Rockets. So Mike D'Antoni, I can't believe I didn't mention him once on mine. Just another player who has not won it, so it's easy to let him go. No one in the NBA is like, oh my God, they let Mike D'Antoni go. Yeah, he was a really good coach, but he could never get it done. He's also one of those guys who, in that Doc Rivers, Mike D'Antoni is basically Doc Rivers about the championship, if that makes sense. Doc Rivers has blown a ton of leads, and Mike D'Antoni has blown a ton of leads like a ton of good opportunities he has wasted with not only the Suns but with the Rockets as well and they're kind of in very similar categories so Doc Rivers has the ring which is why it's easier to let D'Antoni go but he's not returning right they're in a weird situation you've Eric Gordon on a huge deal you have Russell Westbrook on a huge deal you have James Harden on a huge deal you got Tucker Daniel House you got good pieces but will they continue the small ball like, with a new coach that comes in, whoever that is, apparently it's either Ty Lue or Jeff Van Gundy, are they going to keep the small ball? I'm a fan of it, and I think it can work. I really do. I just don't think Westbrook can be the lead of it. If you gave me Chris Paul a more steady hand, I think it could work. Just a steady hand offensively. Chris Paul's first team all defense multiple times, and Westbrook's a very good defender as well. They did it for pace, and I think Harden realized that at the end of the day, he, he misses Chris Paul. Him and Chris Paul butted heads. They're both very good basketball minds. They're both excellent passers, and both things they saw things differently sometimes. But they were really, I mean, the truth is they were really good together. And I, I think Harden will regret it, wanting him out by the end of the day. So will they try to move Westbrook after one year? They're in a tough spot. No one, who's going to want that contract? Russell Westbrook's draft stock, just, I don't know, whatever, stock. It just plummets every year. He's a one-man solo crew, and he's a great player. He's a top 15 player in the NBA. He's one of the all-time most talented players, and putting the team on his back, I will never get when he averaged triple-double for three straight years, but he's a solo act. He's not a championship player, and that's just the truth. can't win a championship with him as your best player, or even, I mean, I don't want to say your second-best player because I think you can. But he's just so inconsistent for even that lineup where you need to be consistent in shooting and getting boards. He's just nights. He's just not there. And that's what ended up killing. He just wasn't there. You saw in game one, he was great. He was on fire. And they ended up beating him. The next four games, he wasn't there. Oh, three out of the four, he wasn't there. And they ended up losing. 
I do think they say small ball. Apparently, that's the plan. I like it. I love what Darren Moore does. You just got to keep getting more people who can fit that style. And one day, maybe you'll break through, but it's only getting harder in the West. I mean, the Warriors are back next year. Dallas is taking the next step. Seems like Phoenix is taking the next step. It seems like Memphis can only go up. It's only going to get tougher in the Western Conference. All right, so let's move on to the Raptors. The Raptors have two objectives. Okay, they can either try to attract a third star to join Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam, or they're going to use that money, or they're going to wait it out to sign Fred Red Fleet, who I believe is a restricted, unrestricted free agent because he was a second round pick, so he's an unrestricted free agent. It is a very interesting scenario. I like Fred Van Fleet. The average run is 17, I believe, 19, 17, 19 points per game this year. But I think he's replaceable. And I think if you have a chance to go get that third star, I think you go for it. A person like Giannis, a person like Victor Oladipo apparently wants out. Maybe you can do a sign and trade with Oladipo and Fred Van Fleet. It's just a bunch of options you have. The Rosen apparently wants out. LaMarcus Aldridge really plays that center position. That's been perfect. That Serge Ibaka is really falling. You just get a better player, even though some would say Serge Ibaka might be better than LaMarcus Aldridge now. But Marcus Aldridge on the tail end. I don't know how many more years you get a Serge. You got OG on the way up. Norman Powell's been playing really well. Pascal Siakam has got to get someone else there. He is not ready. If you want to be a championship contender, Pascal Siakam has to have someone else there. He is not ready to be the second best player on the championship team. He's close. He's very close. He's just not there yet. He's in the Giannis caliber of he doesn't have many basketball moves. And Giannis is very strong and a better passer and a better rebounder and a better defender. Pascal is just very shifty. And he got away from that. And sorry, he got away from that for most of the year when Kawhi and Kyle Lowry on you go in one-on-one matchups. When they're doubling you, when you're driving, and the only thing you could do is spin move or you have elite defenders on you that your first or second guy can put on you and not the third or fourth guy like he was getting before, we he had a, he had a very bad series against Celtics. A very bad series. Got to get a third star. I don't know exactly who that will be, but I think the Raptors and uh, Nick Nurse and uh, Masai or Jewy are attempting to figure that out but they have the side is that third star for advent fleet and then we try to get just pieces like role players or do we go big and then hope people sign with us with just a one-year deal which i think people would want to do if they're a championship team all right last but not least the los angeles clippers listen i told you my thoughts on doc rivers needs to go but there's the one thing also i have a change you need more three-point snipers, and they tried. They got Marcus Morris. He couldn't. He was shooting 45% from three, 40% from three before he got traded from the Knicks. He was a dud for the Clippers. I never thought a shot was going in. You relied too heavily on your big shooting threes like Jermichael Green. It just didn't work out. Lou Williams didn't work out. Montrose was good, but Lou Williams just got inconsistent per usual. You just need more consistency, and I think... You need to surround people with more three-point snipers. I'm playing, and it sounds like because I think their team's great. Maybe I'm starting Landry next year the entire time. You got to develop him the player he can be. And I mean, I don't know if Marcus Morris is gone because the money, because he was on a one-year deal. Um, I mean, I Patrick Bradley, like I don't know exactly. They're in a really tough situation. They just want to run it back. Fine. I do think they're championship contenders next year, and, the, and this will only learn from them. But I will say this, if you thought last year there was pressure, they're trying to claim there was no pressure on them. Eternally, they didn't think they, it was championship or bust year. Next year is championship or bust year. 
I mean, what are you going to wait till LeBron retires? Oh, now the Warriors are up and the Dallas Mavericks are coming up. And Houston is always still very competitive. Now the Nuggets are, seems like they're ascending to the next step. And Phoenix Suns, like, you don't have time to waste. To me, the argument of championship or bust this year is awful. Because I thought this was the one year, besides last year, like these two last years, the NBA was so wide open. Like the, I didn't, I, I mean, I've seen you the Clippers, Lakers, and Bucks, but only the Lakers are there right now. So clearly this NBA has been as wide open as people thought it would be, and it could have been. And I think this was the year for any newcomer to potentially win a championship, but we'll see how it ends. So I just think they need more three-point servers and more ball movers. Besides Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Lou Williams, not many people on that team could really get their own shot. And maybe that's how it was designed. But I saw a lot of ISO basketball. And it got cold fast in games 5, 6, and 7. And in game 7, they're actually moving the ball really well. But it was too late. And they were just missing wide open after wide open shot. They need more ball movers. They need a steady hand to just off the bench. Like I, I think they need someone else to pair with Lou Williams. Like Reggie Jackson was supposed to be that guy, but then they gave up on him. So we will see. But I think there's definitely some things that the Clippers can change going into this offseason. And obviously, I think Coach is the first one to go. But that's where, where we'll go from there. Um, I'm going to do the same thing for when the NBA Finals happens. Those two, uh, whoever get eliminated, that will be the next episode. Or maybe I'll do an episode before that. But um, yeah. That is uh that is where I think the Bucks, Rockets, Raptors, and Clippers should be heading. Their mindsets should be heading in the NBA offseason. All right, NFL season is back, which means red light, green light is back. My favorite segment is back. So if you guys are new to the show, red light, green light is simple. My last name is Green, but it's actually spelled with the E at the end. It's a little play on words, but basically, red light is mean I didn't like what I saw from Week One from you guys. I sometimes do it for my own predictions of what I predicted. But, and this is kind of a sense of that too, but red light is what I like from your team. I thought you had a good week one, or I thought you didn't have a good week one, and green light is what I love, was I saw what I loved. So let's sort of start red light, and that's the Cleveland Browns. My God, it doesn't matter. You upgrade with Jack Conklin and Jedrick Wills in your offensive line, and you get another tight end, Austin Hooper, and you have so many weapons, and you score six points. Six points i get it the ravens are really good and people think they can go 16 and 0 but six points it wasn't even competitive and when are we gonna i mean when are we gonna start saying it's like how many years till baker mayfield gets his time because brown's quarterbacks is third year brown's quarterbacks don't even last this long they usually give up on him and he this is his third head coach in three years Hugh Jackson, Freddie Kitchens, now Kevin Stefanski. He was 21 of 39 for 189 yards, one touchdown, one reception, a 33.3 QBR. He was They were 3 for 12 on third down and 0 for 3 and 4 down. It's 20% overall. And oh, and they just can't get Odell going. It, it doesn't matter. He had 10 targets, 3 catches, 20 yards. And now the question is, once again, should they trade him? Listen, I am never, I'm not against it. I'm not. I think there are teams that could really use him as the number one that don't have other weapons that could spread out the floor for Odell. You have so many weapons. They're just forcing the ball to him. I don't know. I just don't know. But the running game, once again, 27 of 138 for 5.1 yards. 
you have Chubb and Kareem Hunt back there, and and you just you still can't open up the passing game at all. It's absolutely amazing to me. But the Browns are my first red light. All right, let's go to my first green light, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. If you didn't know, Russell Wilson has never received an MVP vote in his career. He's also the second best quarterback in the NFL, and he's never received an MVP go MVP vote. Well. He had a very good start in this game against the Falcons as they won 38 to 25, 31 to 35, 322 yards, four touchdowns, 87.5 QBR, and he spread the wealth. Five players got three perceptions, and I liked what I saw of the Seattle team. I had him at 10 and six, and I had him second place. I don't know, man. You give Russell Wilson more talent, a better supporting cast. You gave gave him Greg Olson, and now look at Jamal Adams' numbers on the other side: 12 tackles, eight solo, one sack, and 2.5 tackles for loss. You got the New England coming in this weekend. I, you start 2-0. I, I mean, I like where they're going. I think this might be their division to win, honestly, and I'm changing my mind on that. I'll still go with the 49ers, but my my brain is now leaning the Seattle Seahawks. All right, let's get into the next red light, the Philadelphia Eagles, my Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, opposite of last year, we were down 17-0 to lead the game last year, and we ended up... Being the Redskins this year, we're up 17-0 this year, and we lose by double digits. Listen, they allowed eight sacks. I get it. Lane Johnson was out. No Brandon Brooks. No Andre Dillard. But it's it this the Eagles, and I can tell you this from experience in the past three years since we won the Super Bowl, they cannot put a full half together. They just can't. And I said this team would go 9-7. and seven. Half of it was my heart. But I can't see where they improved. I did like what I saw from the defense, and if they get healthier, Javon Hargis back, Dark this defense can be really good. But on the offensive side of the ball, where did they improve? You lost your left tackle you wanted to groom. You lost your best um, guard, best guard in the NFL, by the way. You didn't really improve in the wide. Yes, Jim Baker had one catch for 55 yards. But you still don't have Alshon. You still have Goddard. Like, you still have Zach Ertz, Goddard, Miles Sanders, I mean, you basically say things like you're just adding a rookie. Why are we acting like this rookie is going to make the the difference, like the absolute difference? He's just another field stretcher as of now. He's very good. He's very man. He can fly. Jalen Rucker fly, but I'm not expecting Jalen Rucker to have six catches for 70 yards every single game. And I think that's delusional for Eagles fans to think of. I I don't like what his team's adding. You now have to play Aaron Donald this weekend. I don't think they can win that one. If Lane Johnson's back and Miles Sanders back, I might reconsider my pick. But as of right now, an 0-2 start, especially, you have to win. I told you, when in the minus 12 season preview, you had to go 5-1 in your division, staying competitive, because your schedule was really tough, and you played some really good competition, and you didn't really improve that much. So your record's probably going to stay the same. In a tougher schedule, it might get worse. So red light to the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, and last thing. I said the team needs is inconsistent. Carson, to me, has not fixed his issues. I love Carson Wentz, and I'll take him as my quarterback any day. But he still holds the ball too long, and he has some awful, I mean, some awful throws. I mean, they're just like his mechanics are bad. I'm like, what are you doing with the football? But he's got to stop holding the ball too long. you got to learn that. He's got to stop. You just can't do that in the National Football League. All right, green light, the Green Bay Packers. My God, was Aaron. I mean, if you want to talk about I said Russell Wilson's second best quarterback in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers wants that spot, too. He was unfreaking believable. 32 of 44, 364 yards, four touchdowns, 92.9 QBR, and a 43-34 win against at Minnesota. That's a big game. At Minnesota, I understand there's no fans, but getting that win against your division rival is huge. 
and the secondary receiver stepped up. Valdez Scanley had four catches for 96 yards of touchdown. Alan Lazard had four catches and 64 yards of touchdown. Their defense still isn't great, which is why I still am at 9-7. and seven. So I don't think they had a very good start. It's a big win that might give them the division, but I think it might give them the division at like 10-6 and six compared to 9-7 like I thought. But I don't know. Their defense still is a little questionable to me, but this was off to a very good start. All right, red light, the Atlanta Falcons. I'm out. I'm done. Just like the Browns. Those two teams fail me every single year. They look great offensively, but they just can't play defense. I understand that Seattle is really good, but 38 points. 38 points. Your home opener with everyone healthy, they just can't get it done. This is Dan Quinn's last year. It has to be. They need to move on. They need to change the scenery. They need a new voice in the locker room. That's all I wanted to say. Red light, Falcons. Greenlight. This is the only Greenlight team on there that lost the Carolina Panthers. I Listen, I, I like what they have. Young squad. Their speed is incredible. Anderson, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, Christian McCaffrey. And Teddy was very good in his debut. 22-34, 270 yards, one touchdown. He had a 75.5 QBR. Listen, their defense isn't good, which is why I had him at 6-10, and 10, I believe, or 7-9. and nine. But their offense can give you challenges every single game. And I'm taking the over in every game they play. In every game they play, I am taking the over because they can't play defense, but they have so much being they can put up on the scoreboard. I like what that, I like everything I saw from them. I think they could have won the game on fourth and inches. You want a fullback dive, so giving it to McCaffrey or trusting in Teddy Bridgewater's hand, a very efficient, accurate passer. Not the move, Matt Rule, but you live and you learn. And I really like everything I saw in them. It's the only team that I lost that I was actually thoroughly impressed with that I thought had a very good outing. All right, next red light, the Indianapolis Colts. I told you, I told you, I told you. I don't trust Philip Rivers. I've never trust Philip Rivers. Of course, the numbers don't look bad. 36 of 46, 363 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. But he throws a pick in a clutch situation every single time. It doesn't matter what team he is on. And the defense is still low average. Listen, I understand they didn't give a... I think they had under 300 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars team, but they couldn't get a stop when it matters. You are never going to win the turnover battle with Phil Rivers as your quarterback. And if you're not forcing them, that's a ton of extra possessions. Your defense has to be on the field. That's why I had him in 88. That's why I don't trust him. Minshew was 19 of 20 for three touchdowns and like 190 yards. I understand it's only 190 yards. I get that. It's not a lot. But he was efficient, and he was accurate, and he was moving the ball down the field. I don't like this Colts team. I don't like it at all, and I think they might go under 8-8. They got a really tough test against the Vikings. Both teams own one. I think they start 0-2. All right. My green light is the next green light is the New Orleans Saints. Listen, they proved to me they're the best team in the FC. 49ers lost, um, and they just they just manhandled Tampa Bay, and I get it. It's new for Tampa Bay, offseason and everything like that. They couldn't get exactly accustomed to ever and team chemistry is off. But the defense played great for Tampa Bay, and they didn't have their best game. They held their offense 310 yards, and their defense was great. But Drew Brees was 18 to 30, 106 yards, and two touchdowns. Yeah, 71.9 QPR. But and their rushing game was like 35 carries for 83 yards. Nothing was great on the team, but the defense stepped up. And now Michael Thomas might be out for a little bit, but I think when this roster is healthy, top to bottom. They don't have many. I don't really know if they have one weakness. If they have the best roster top to bottom in the NFC. All right, red light, the Broncos. I am so big on the Broncos this year. I said in my NFL season for you, the Broncos and the Dolphins, who I also liked. But I'm not going to give you any Dolphins and Dolphins any praise till they start to them. But they just, once again, the same stories last year. The Broncos had, I believe, five one-possession losses last year. And they had another one. The Titans were giving them this game. 
They were giving it to him. Three missed field goals by Goskowski. He had like a one in like 130 chance to do that. I, I, I don't even know the number, but it's an absurd amount of the chance that Goskowski had to do that. One of the greatest kickers of all time and you had the ball on fourth and goal and you didn't kick the field goal and that was literally the difference in the game you lost on fourth and goal so many missed opportunities just so many missed opportunities for the Denver Broncos and that's a big game that was a big game because I thought the Chargers defensively looked really good obviously the Chiefs looked insane and last but not least uh, Vegas look good. I mean, offensively look really good. And I think this team comes second in the division. You kind of stop losing one possession game. First game, can't overreact too much, but I didn't like what I saw. All right, last green light goes to the era. So in the Cardinals, second-year leap, Kyler Murray, he was unreal. 26 of 40, 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. 13 carries, 91 yards, a touchdown. It's basically what you're going to see from Rick. He's going to probably carry it, I would say, six to ten times game, either on design runs or just scrambles. And what a debut for DeAndre Hopkins, 14 receptions, 151 yards, proving Bill O'Brien he made the wrong decision, even though I still don't think it was the wrong decision because he obviously wanted to get paid, and Houston had to build a roster more around it and pay other people. But they, they did it against a very tough San Francisco defense, and I'm just going to ask this question. Do they have to worry? Also, they look, the Cardinals' defense are good. 20 points is very good against that San Francisco offense. Do we need to worry about San Francisco 49ers? I think their defense is too good to worry about and their offensive efficiency is too good to worry about like running the ball and able to spread the field and spread it to people but i will say this usually happens to the super bowl loser except the patriots doesn't matter how good your offense and defense was it's usually just what happens saw it happen to the rams um the year before they just looked in net for most of the year i still think the 49ers go 11 and 5 it's just week one but slight concern game one a a game you should have won in my opinion so yeah that is week one of red light green light i think i might do this every single week or every two weeks or if i come out with some big predictions i remember with like usually in week four i go red light green on my predictions so far how are they looking so maybe that'll be the next time i do it but i always have a good time doing this so i hope you enjoyed that segment all right let's get into conference finals predictions for the nba playoffs Lakers versus Nuggets after the Nuggets overcome their second 3-1 deficit. And on the other side, Heat and Celtics. Game 1 just happened. Bam out of bio. What a block. Tyler Hero with 12, 11, and 9. Jimmy Butler with so many clutch shots. Goran Dragic with 20-plus points. Jay Crowder with 23. I think Dragic at 25. Here's my assessment, and I've been saying it every single round. It's going to work eventually. The Heat, I mean, sorry, the Celtics don't have size. They don't have size. And with no Gordon Hayward, and I don't know when he's coming back, they're already down one nothing, and I thought this before. Bam Adebayo is a monster. He's a different kind of monster because he's more athletic than Joel Embiid, but he's just as big as strong, right? And he can get you down in the paint. He's gonna fight for. I think he's going to fight for offensive rebounds harder than Joel Embiid would. I have the Heat in six. I don't think this game. I don't think this goes seven. I think this is shorter than people think. I have the Heat in six. I think they have the better clutch players as Jimmy Butler. That proved me right in game one. Not since I have every game. Hit the shots in game one. And Jason Tatum didn't. And they just, they play like the worst. The way they push the pace on you and force you to get back on every single possession and working up and worrying about those three-point shooters and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, who both didn't really have great shooting games. Duncan Robinson did not have a great shooting game, but Tyler Hero, it's just, they just have clutch shot makers i would touch tyler here on jimmy butler with the last shot 
any day of the week. Listen, Marcus Smart had five threes once again. They're very even in threes. That's not going to keep happening, in my opinion. Marcus Smart can't be a sniper for that much longer. I'm going to go with the Miami Heat in six. The Miami Heat in six, because I think Bam out of bio is the difference on the offensive and defensive end. Because you saw he in the first couple, in the first half, in the first quarter, he wasn't getting those offensive boards. But as the game wore on and the game kept going, that strength and that size and that mobility really got to Tice and the Celtics bigs. And they just couldn't guard him at the end of the game. They were getting second chance opportunities, which were leading to three point baskets. The Celtics had multiple chances to put them away. I still think this is a long series. I think the Celtics would probably win game two on a bounce back, but I have the Heat in six. All right, and let's go to the Western Conference, Lakers versus um, Nuggets. I mean, the, the question is, do the Lakers even want to... I mean, listen, they haven't won a single game one. They're 0-2, but as outside of that, they're 8-0, outscoring their opponents by 14 points per game in those games. Uh, you can't get into a 3-1 lead with these guys. I mean, they've won both series by five. That would be the ultimate sign of disrespect, just beating the Nuggets in five, that the Lakers and the Jazz couldn't do it. I, I'm going to go, I do like this Nuggets team, but I just don't think they can guard. Like What I said about Jokic is a great matchup, and I don't know how they did against Utah. I don't think it was a good matchup for Utah because Rudy Gobert is really good, but you, Gobert's not strong enough. And Montessaro and Zubac weren't skilled enough or big enough. But Anthony Davis is a different breed. And Anthony Davis will have, and I think Dwight Howard is strong enough to match with Jokic. Like, I don't, they have no one to guard Anthony Davis. They have a lot of people to throw at LeBron. Michael Porter Jr., I mean, Gary Harris, Torrey Quigg, Jeremy Grant. But they have no one to throw at Anthony Davis. And while you have Casey, you can say whatever you want about KCP and Danny Green and Alex Crusoe. They're very good perimeter defenders. And they will throw bodies at Jamal Murray and blitz the hell out of him. Like they did Russell Wellspin. Like, technically, the, the Nuggets backwards is the worst they've had to face. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and they've had no trouble defending those guys. Now you got to defend your first. I mean, even they had to defend Nurkic. Obviously, Jokic is better than Nurkic, but I just like the matchup. No one. That's the thing. That's why I always like the Lakers. No one in the West had the ability to guard Anthony Davis. I don't think the Clippers did. I don't think the Rockets did. I don't think the Nuggets do. The Portland didn't. Houston didn't. And I don't think it's any different here. If Anthony Davis is on his game, series is a wrap. I'm going to go... Lakers in five. I really think Lakers in five. I think the Nuggets run out of gas, even though they're giving them an extra break. I'm going to go Lakers in five. And, of course, in the Eastern Conference, I got the Miami Heat in six. But overall, in predictions, I believe we are – I was seven and – I was eight and oh in the first round. We are two and two in the second round. So we're ten and two. That's not bad. I mean, the NBA isn't that hard to predict. But ten and two isn't bad. I still have my finals team. I mean, I've been on the Lakers the entire year. I said they were going to win a championship from the beginning of the year. I thought they were going to play the Sixers. Obviously, that's out. But I thought the Raptors would get it from the Eastern Conference. Obviously, they're out. But I guess I still got my championship team in in the Lakers. So those are the conference predictions. And LeBron gets to his 10th NBA Finals. And Jimmy Butler and the Heat get to their first NBA Finals since LeBron left them back in 2014. All right, thanks for... Uh, listening to another episode of no block sports as always you can check out every single episode of noblocksports.com and most of the episodes especially the last 10 on the water boys 
NFLPredictions.com. Check out all the content that they have there. Also, I put up NFL predictions every single week. I'll be putting them every Thursday around 4 o'clock. I go picks straight up against the spread and over and unders and give you my three best bets. And I keep track of all of them so you don't have to every single week. So check them out as well. Um, and, you know, like, subscribe, and, you know, tell me anything you liked about the pods. Thanks, guys.